Church family, if you have your copy of God's Word, I hope you do, whether you have a device or a printed copy as I prefer. Hopefully there's some new Bibles in the room. I saw some Christmas Bibles being carried around. Let's scratch them up and mark them up. Remember what I always tell you, I did not coin the phrase, but it is true. If you have a dirty Bible, you'll have a clean life. If you have a clean Bible, well, you can have a dirty life. So you pick. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 20. John chapter 20. The reason I'm asking you to turn to the book of John this morning, which might be a little bit unexpected, is because I'm only going to deal with one or two verses in this book, in the 20th chapter, the fourth book of the Gospels. John is the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. I'm only going to deal with two verses to kick off a sermon series I've entitled 2021. We're all thinking about 2021. 21. In fact, we're all thinking about movement, right? Movement is a good thing. Healthy things move. You got small kids, you know, they wake up moving. They never stop moving until they collapse. They're always moving. Some of you have a twitcher in your family. Right now, their foot's moving. They're just twitching, right? They can't be still. Some of you are always moving. Some of you don't move enough, and you've made a New Year's resolution to move more, move away from the refrigerator and move toward the treadmill, toward the elliptical, toward the bicycle. In fact, if you research exercise very quickly, you find that everybody says exercise is good because of what movement does to our bodies. In fact, if you needed a little encouragement, this is what the experts say movement does when you exercise. It improves the memory of your brain. Some of you are just dumb because you're still. You got to move. You got to get up and move around. It protects against chronic diseases. It aids in weight management. It lowers your blood pressure. It improves your quality of sleep. There's even more. Number six in this list that we have, it reduces feelings of anxiety. It combats cancer-related fatigue. It improves joint pain and stiffness. Lord and I went on a date last night when we pulled in the driveway. I said, a shame on us. We are old now. She said, why do you say we're old? I said, well, I enjoy being with you. But the only two things we talked about the entire time we drove to Greenville and home is what was hurting in our neck and back and how bad traffic was. We're old. Exercise improves joints, maintains muscle, and it increases your lifespan. After 2020, some of you are like, no, I'm out, bro. I'm good. I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord. I don't want to be here anymore. Well, we all know this about physical exercise, but actually we move in different ways. We don't just move physically. If you think about it, people are always going somewhere emotionally, spiritually. Sometimes people flee. They're running from regret or fear. I sense that a lot in people. I actually posted about that on New Year's Eve, that believers really shouldn't say good riddance to a year when we recognize that even in 2020, God was faithful to sustain us. He's so good in so many ways, yet many people are running from something in their life. You may be running from something in your life this morning. Sometimes people aren't fleeing. Sometimes they're chasing 
if I could just go get happiness, if I could go get fulfillment, if I could make a few more dollars, if I could have a few more days off, if I could just live in this neighborhood, or we could just go on this trip, or if I could just get that job, they're chasing something. And then sometimes people are searching. They're looking. I'm, I'm, I can't find what I'm looking for. I'm looking for hope or, or direction or, or purpose. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering and I'm looking for something. Now, these are all experiences every human in the room and every one of you watching online has and will have. But sometimes people are sent. You see, when you're sent, your life looks different. And when you think about being sent, it can have negative or positive connotations. My first understanding of sent is when the teacher sent me to the office. That never went well. Never. But there are other times when I was sent on a special task, an assignment, and it meant the world to even be asked. You know what happens when you see a woman who's sent somewhere, when you observe a man or a young person who is sent somewhere, immediately when someone is on a mission, when they are sent, you know they're not operating under their own authority. In addition to that, they have a clear direction, a, a mission. Did you know that we are a sent people? In fact, that's exactly why I wanted to do this series to begin our year together. 2021 is a five-week journey through some important passages of Scripture to remind us that we're not fleeing. We don't have to run from anything. We're not chasing, and we're not searching. We are a people who have been sent. We have a mission. We have a heavenly father who's given us his authority. We have a direction. There is something for us to do. And, and when we get to a place where we understand this, there's no better passage in the scripture that not only teaches this and also illustrates it than that moment on Easter Sunday evening when the Lord shows up among the disciples who are for fear behind closed doors. Now, normally I know how it works. We get through baby Jesus Christmas, and then we start building, and then March or April we get to Easter. But I just felt like after 2020, we ought to start with Easter. Let's get there. I want to talk about the resurrection. Because while I'm grateful for the Lord being born, I know he was not born to be a baby. He was born to be a king. And that kingship, the establishment of his throne, required his death and, praise God, his resurrection. And he's alive today. We don't have to wait till March or April to say the tomb is empty. You'll not find him there. And because he's alive, everything in my life has purpose, and I can live as a man. You can live as a woman. You can live as a student. You can live as a man who is sent. And this is when I thought I would do a little Bible code with you. Now, don't misquote me. I actually don't believe in Bible code. You shouldn't either. But every once in a while, things come up that just help us remember. 2021 is the year, but it's also the verse. John 2021. 20, 
In fact, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm beginning, I just finished 17, I'm beginning my 18th year with you. I've never done this. I've never picked a verse as a theme verse for the entire year. It doesn't make any difference to me if you are a fourth grader or you're 94 years old. If you're watching online from another state or you're right here with me in this beautiful worship center, I want us to memorize John 20, 21 this year. This will be our theme verse, and it's easy to remember. If you can remember the year, you can remember the address. All you then have to remember is that it's in the book of John. John 20, 21 is when Jesus shows up in the evening of his resurrection. He's already appeared to some, but not all of the disciples together in a group. He appears to them in John chapter 20, and in verse 21, he says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Would you say that with me again in John 20, 21? Let's read it together, beginning with the word Jesus. Ready? Go. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. If you grew up on the King James Version as I did, it says, so send I you. Now, here's the rule. No matter where I see you, if I bump into you at Target or a Mexican restaurant or Costco or Walmart, probably not going to bump into you at Walmart unless you go early. That's when I go. I go early. But if I bump into you, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to say, say it. And when I say it, it is a reference to the year 2021. It's also a reference to the verse, John 2021. 20, and you need to be able to say that verse, John 2021. 20, and the finance committee has approved I'm carrying $100 bills in my pocket. <laughs> if you say, I'm just kidding, I made that part up. I want you to memorize that verse. And here's the reason I want you to memorize that verse. And here's the reason why we're going to reference this verse all year long. Because I feel like 2020 happened to us. I want to happen to 2021. I feel like we all, rightfully so, had to react to an incredibly unique, challenging, yet glorious year where God worked in people's lives. We react. I want to act. I don't want to have 2021 happen to us. I want to happen to 2021. And if you think, if you're new to our church, and you think that you have walked into a motivational conference, you have not. I want to prove to you from God's word why God has sent us. We are a sent people. We're not just a people who are waiting for Jesus to come back, hoping we don't get sick or hoping our loved ones recover. We're not just a people scratching our head at the craziness around us, losing heart over the political environment, wondering about the geopolitical issues, not sure what the future of our economy will look like. That is not who God's people are. We don't belong here. We're citizens of a kingdom, and we are sent the day we're saved. And the reason I know this is because no sooner had the tomb been vacated than Jesus showed up. And what does he say? Look with me in John chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. 
on the evening of that day, that's the Lord's day, the first Sunday, the first day of the week, the day Jesus resurrected, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, operating in fear, they had locked themselves away from the world. Does that sound familiar? Where the Jews were hiding, Jesus came and stood among them. And I actually dealt with this passage back in April, if you remember, as we were finishing the book of John. We spent two years there, and I told you then what I'll tell you this morning, what I always say when I come to this passage. They're afraid. The doors are locked. Evening has come. The sun has set. Darkness is around spiritually. Darkness is around physically. John, a great storyteller, often used the condition of the weather to depict the condition of people's heart. The sun came up, the sun came out. The darkness came, the doors were locked, and Jesus stood among them. And the person within me who has my mother's sense of humor wishes upon wishes that Jesus would have said, boo. But he didn't. He said, peace be with you. Now, before he sends them, he comforts them. In fact, that's what happens beginning in verse 20. Verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, the resurrected Lord. The Lord now who's glorified. He's not confined to human parameters anymore. He doesn't need doors to be unlocked, to be in a room. He forwent his glory in heaven. He took on flesh and became a man. And upon his time on earth, he was not omnipresent. If he was in Galilee, he was not in Jerusalem during his earthly ministry. But now he's a risen Lord, a glorified Lord, a resurrected Lord. Doors and locks have no control over him. He's stands where he wants to. He stood among them. And the scripture says, he said, peace be with you. He then quotes it again in our annual verse this year, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. This is a word that continues to come up in John's gospel and it is so needed today. Remember what he said back in John chapter 14? I know it's been several months since we finished this book. But he says in John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. The world can provide temporary feelings of comfort. That's not the peace God gives. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There's almost this indication that I have a decision to make when I face uncertainty as to whether or not I succumb to fear. A little bit later in John chapter 16, he says it again and elaborates more. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Notice where it is. The prepositional phrase is important. In Christ. See, I can be in Christ and sick. I can be in Christ and in ICU. I can be in Christ and in a funeral home director's office planning a funeral I wasn't ready to plan. I can be in Christ and in crisis. So no matter where I am physically, spiritually, there is a location of peace. It is in Christ. He goes on to say in this very same passage, verse 33, in the world you will have tribulation. If I were going to give 2020 a verse, that might be the one. In the world, you will have tribu tribulation. 
But take heart, I have overcome the world. And of course, Jesus knew when he was talking to the disciples before his arrest what was about to take place. He would be with them, then he would not be with them. He would be with them in comfort and love and peace, and then he would be gone, and the absence would create a vacuum, a void, a struggle. This is why he says later in the same book, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. Now, this is a reference to when Jesus is taken off and he's arrested. But the world will rejoice. Remember, the disciples hid in fear while the world says, crucify him, crucify him. They cheered Pontius Pilate on to do so. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Then he uses a great analogy. We even had some babies be born over the holidays here at Church of the Mill. But who am I kidding? There's a baby born here every day somewhere. When a what? I'm done. When a woman is, she's done. I did very little. She's done. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. You know, this is a difficult thing. I've never experienced it. Watched it six times. Sorrow is accurate. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, this is what Jesus says about the resurrection. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. By the way, John 20, 21 is the completed promise of John 16, 22. So also, you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Not any pandemic can touch a risen Lord. There, there is no presence of sickness or death that can stop someone from placing their faith and joy and peace in Christ. Now, this is important because you may say, Pastor, this is not the Sunday. This is not the January for you to begin with this powerful vision message. At least I hope it's powerful. I hope it's encouraging to you. This is a year where, where we need to just pause and we need to recollect and we need to sort of just hold our own and sit still and ease off. It, it broke my heart when I saw one church post over the holidays, this post on Instagram. There is no new message today. Tune in to one of our previous services and enjoy. You know why there's not been a single Sunday where a fresh word of God has not been preached from this pulpit? Because the last time I looked, the enemy never takes a week off. He's not taking a week off. The day I have to send you to a rerun, send me home. This book is living and on fire. And I need it. This is not for you and I to come in and pat each other on the back and just feel better. I am a corrupt, broken sinner. Now, I've been redeemed, and God no longer holds my sin over me, but I will die spiritually without the Word of God. I need to grow. I need to be challenged. I need to be broken over my sin. I need a fresh movement of God every day. My bucket leaks, and it breaks my heart. To see this mentality of reactiveness 
When the mission has not changed, are we sensitive to the hurting? Yes. Do we pray over the sick? Sick. Already done that this morning. Texted several members early this morning and told them I was praying for them. Do we care for the brokenhearted? Of course we do. Do we practice precautions to the best of our ability and the best of our understanding of the most modern information? Yes, we do. It's why I commend those of you who are here with us in person and those of you who are online. And I refuse to let any policy and any decision that any family is making to divide us as a church. We're not going to do that. We want you to do what is best for your family. But we were not put on this earth to survive. We were put here because we are sent. We are sent to do something. And yet, right before he sends them, he comforts them. He says, my peace is enough for you because my peace is not the alleviation of struggle. My peace is my presence. And the last time I looked, Jesus doesn't practice social distancing. I've never prayed to him when he had a mask on. He touches me all the time. Sometimes he convicts me. It's a hard touch, but many times it's a touch of a Savior who embraces us and loves us and walks with us. So I'm not going to let 2021 happen to us. I want to happen to it. When he does do the sending, though, he does do so in two ways. I only have two points, which is good because I'm already 25 minutes in. I better get to them, right? My preaching professor would criticize me. When we get to the verse, something powerful happens. Look at it with me this morning. Let me show you. Beginning in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then he makes this statement, as the Father has sent me. So he doesn't just say, peace be with you, go. He's giving us a reference point. He's saying, the nature of your mission matches the nature of my mission. Remember, as Pastor Jason preached last week, I so enjoyed it. I tuned in. I worshiped with you live during the 9 o'clock service. I was with home with family in my home state of Alabama, but my family and I gathered. We watched. We enjoyed that. I praise God for that, the online opportunity. And I listened to Pastor Jason preach this powerful message about God's creative and redemptive work. And then he made that wonderful announcement about the opportunity for us to add a gentleman to our team to help us plant a church specifically targeting the Asian community of the upstate. I'm excited about that and all the ways that that is unfolding. But I was reminded during Jason's message what I was reminded again during my study. God is the first missionary of the redemption story. God is the one who pursues us when we could not pursue him. This was the point of Jason's teaching from Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. See, I did pay attention. I did listen. I had my Bible open, even though I was watching online. And I learned from God's word as God's man delivered it. The scripture teaches us, though, he continues to send the redeemed. This gives us our purpose and, and, and our hope. And he says, I'm sending you the way the Father sent me. Now, now, what did the Father do to the Son in the sending that the Son can now do to us? Well, we could really bust it into two words, and those are the two very brief points I'll make, and then we'll close. Notice the very next verse, beginning in verse 22. And when he had said this, 
he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So the very first thing we see in this famous commissioning is that Jesus gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives them their spiritual ability. Now, when you think about this, I'm reminded of what happened in the book of Genesis. If this is where God creates the church spiritually, look where God created man and woman physically. Notice what he did. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The Hebrew word for breathe, ruach, kind of fun to say. Ruach is also the word for air and wind. It's the same in the New Testament, which was written in what's called the common Greek or the Koine Greek. In the New Testament, the word is pneuma. It's where we get our English word pneumatics. Pneumatics, for those of you guys inside of uh, industry, you know that pressurized air can do amazing things. And pneumatics is using pressurized air to lift things. It's how We blow up a tire that holds a 2,000-pound vehicle with nothing more than trapped air inside of a rubber-shaped tire, a a tire-shaped piece of rubber. This is pneumatics. The word pneuma, the word ruach, means wind, spirit, something that you cannot see, but you can feel, and you know it exists. Now, notice what happens. When God makes man in his image, he breathes physical life into him. When God redeems man by his blood, he breathes spiritual life into him. The Holy Spirit is a part of John's teaching in the book of John, as we learned. In fact, in John chapter 7, Jesus made a statement using water as an analogy, but he was actually referring to the Holy Spirit. He says, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, we know that's a metaphor, but John explains it. Now, this he said about the Spirit. Notice the capital S. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. Whom those who believed in him were to receive. They hadn't got it yet. Why hadn't they got it? For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, before he could be glorified, he had to be crucified. Because when he was crucified, I was justified. And once I'm justified, I'm able to be sanctified. And how am I sanctified? Well, let me make up a word. I get spirified. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Now, we don't have time this morning to go through a whole theology of what the Holy Spirit does. But if you want to live a spiritful life in 2021, it's important to know what he does. Summarizing what he does, he gives us spiritual life. He gives us power to serve. He convicts us. The Spirit's the one that hammers you when you sin. That's great evidence of being saved. You're not happy in your sin. My flesh may want to sin, but my spirit does not. And when I give way to the flesh and sin, whether it be pride or anger, impatience, lust, whatever, I am miserable until I deal with that. That's not right, and the Spirit won't let me alone. It reveals God's will. The Holy Spirit reveals God's will. He gives evidence of God's presence. That's what we prayed for in our worship this morning. He guides and directs us. He gives assurance and he teaches us and illumines God's word 
to us. So this is all the Spirit does. He gives us the ability. So we're not allowed to say, well, I, don't, I just can't. I'm, I'm just fearful. I'm, I'm just scared. I, I don't know what to do. When the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have everything we need to live a life that is sent. It doesn't mean we don't continue to learn and we don't continue to grow, but God is not a stingy God. But he doesn't just give us ability. He gives us authority. The authority comes in the next verse. It's the one I'll close with. Notice what he says in verse 23. It may be one of the most controversial verses in the New Testament. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What? I thought Jesus was the one that ultimately forgave sin. Yes, I know if you sin against me and you ask for my forgiveness, I can give that forgiveness to you. And if I come to you and ask for your forgiveness because I failed you, you can forgive me. So to that degree, we can forgive. But I can't forgive you of your sins that are unrelated to me. The Scripture doesn't establish that in any way, shape, or form. And when we study this in this context, it becomes clear what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm handing you something that is so powerful that whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven. Does that sound familiar? You know what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 16? I give you the keys to the kingdom. See, sent people, they're given the keys. If I send my child to go do something, I got to give them the key to unlock to get in the house. If I get sent to go do something, I need the authority. Sometimes the authority is exercised. My little girl, Evie, got a little playhouse for Christmas. Yesterday, I was out in the yard. She was playing in her playhouse, and Rhett got in there, the, the four-year-old. Rhett getting in anything never goes well. He got in there. The playhouse is small. I can't get into it. And I know it was tough for Santa to put it together. I helped him, and I can't get into this thing. And she got frustrated, and I said, Now, Rhett, that is her playhouse. You have a battery-operated four-wheeler. Get on it and ride it. Leave her alone. When you become a grown man, you'll want to leave the house and get on your four-wheeler. <laughs> Go. And Evie headed toward the little door. I thought she misunderstood me. I thought she thought I was telling her to get out. No, she just opened the door and looked at him. <laughs> get out of my house. <laughs> he walked out with his head down, defeated. It's a foreshadow of the rest of his life. But she knew when I said get out of the house, he had to leave because I have the authority. If you wave me down in traffic, I might pull over. If you turn on lights in your car, I will pull over because you have the authority. Jesus is saying, I didn't just send you with ability. I sent you with authority. Now, how does this apply to our lives? One of my favorite preachers is the late Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said there are three kinds of people in every church. Now listen to this. He said there are people that make things happen. There are people that watch things happen. And there are people that don't know what's happening. I got all three of those. Which person do you want to be? We can list all the things we're not able to do right now. We can talk about all the different ways people are reacting. But you know what? Last time I looked, you're a part of a church that's given you the opportunity to be in discipleship, whether online or in person. 
Last time I looked, you're a part of a church that needs your financial gifts this year so that we can continue to build the student center that I'm going to talk to you about in a few weeks and we can be strategically positioned for the missions that we believe is opening up. Last time I looked, you're a part of a church that wants you to invite your friends and loved ones. And even those who are fearful of being in public can be invited to attend an online service. And you can call them afterwards and say, what did you learn? How can I talk with you about that? You're not going to know what happens. You're going to watch other people make it happen. Or you're going to make it happen. Know this, you've been sent with ability and authority. And when this happens... Lives are changed. Jesus said the power for people to be forgiven is in your hands because you have the gospel. We started in John. Let me in with John. His name's not John, but I've changed his name for privacy's sake. Let me tell you about John. About a year ago, John came into our church, and his life was a mess. Like most people in Spartanburg County, he believed in God, had no problem believing in Jesus, would have told you he was a Christian, but his marriage was in trouble. For lack of a better term, he had violated trust with his wife. And all he knew is that he needed to be around men that would help him. Pastor DJ mentioned e-disciple, and so he signed up, and his motive was this. I need to get around a different group of guys. I'm going to lose my marriage. He started coming to e-disciple, and as he was a part of the e-group, he listened to guys share their own struggles, and he recognized he wasn't alone. But he also saw something in them he didn't have. He went to his e-group leader and said, I think I need some counseling. He reached out to our biblical counseling ministry and was given an appointment, and he sat down with one of our pastors who's trained in biblical counseling. And in the very first counseling session, we present the gospel, and John realized, like many people, he believed in God, but he was not saved. And right there, he gave his life to Christ, received forgiveness of his sins, and his life is taken off spiritually. He will admit he's still got plenty of work to do, but he and his wife have reconciled. He is moving in the right direction, and his life will never be the same because the power of the gospel was given to him by an e-group leader who was willing to love him by a church that was willing to counsel him, by people who were willing to forgive him. And when you think about people's lives like John, I think about how many more there are watching or waiting for someone to be sent. 2020 happened to us. Happened to 2021. Even as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you.